Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. A team we always end up talking about, though, is the hometown team right here in Tennessee. That is the Tennessee Titans. And we got a really good guest. Um, we recorded this interview a few days ago, but I wanted to talk with Jim Wyatt, who is the senior writer and editor for Titans Online, somebody we've wanted to talk to for some time now. Who, he's been covering the, the Titans for a long time. So um, this is our conversation with Jim Wyatt. It's time for the Call of the Week. We're one week removed from the NFL draft here in Middle Tennessee, and there's no better person to join us to help us recap the Tennessee Titans draft than senior writer and editor for Titans Online, Jim Wyatt. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me. Jim, you've covered the Titans since they moved from Houston in the late 90s during your days at the Tennessean. You grew up here in Nashville. How impressed were you with how your hometown handled the draft this past weekend? Well, it was unbelievable to me. I mean, I could, as you mentioned, I, this, I, this is my home. This is where I grew up. My father worked at the courthouse, you know, in Nashville downtown for about 40 years. And uh, I worked a job downtown a, a good part of my uh, life growing up. And uh, and I remember when downtown wasn't necessarily the place to be. And, uh, and certainly that was before, you know, the NFL came to town. So to see it all come together where Nashville was put on display, uh, you know, with the Titans kind of, being a big part of the draft and seeing so many Titans fans on the streets, it was incredible. I mean, just the, the, what you saw on television, you could times it by a hundred if you're there in person, just because it was, it was, there was so much atmosphere. There was so much excitement. I was so excited. I mean, I, I've, I've told people before I got, you know, a couple of times right before it got started and, and you, I saw the city and saw how it looked and saw the excitement and how many people were on the streets. I got a little choked up, I have to admit, because I was so proud to see how well it was going to look. And uh, it was a special weekend. And uh, I think what happened uh, probably is going to result in this thing coming back here again. It ought to be on the list or in a rotation where it's here on a regular basis because people love to come to Nashville and, uh, and the city has proven that it can pull it off. Yeah, you mentioned seeing the sights downtown. What was your vantage point for the draft? Where did you spend most of your time? Well, there was a huge buildup and all day Wednesday uh, when they had uh, you know a lot of events. I walked the streets in Nashville on Wednesday it was get, as it was getting ready. And, and really, I spent a lot of time in downtown just as it was coming up just to kind of gauge the process and there was a point maybe on Sunday or Monday where I was thinking are they going to really be ready for this because there was so much to do uh, but it came together and then on draft day itself I got down there early and I I was all over the place and I was at the red carpet I was in front of the stage I was alongside the stage in the media room it was just playing out I was in the interview rooms when the players would come off and, uh, and I was kind of in the middle of the, the crowd during parts of it leading up to the Titans pick. Uh, so it was – and it was something. I, and I'm so glad. I mean, I, I spent most of my drafts. I spent, I spent Friday and Saturday of this draft uh, just like I spent every Friday and Saturday at the Titans facility because that's where, the, that's where most everything happens. That's where GM John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, and that's where, that's where they spend their time in the war room. That's where the – the picks will be on a conference call once they're selected. That's where all the press conferences take place once the player is picked. But for the first night, I was 
at the draft and in the middle of it, and it was something. And I've been to these. I, I can compare it to some of these other drafts because I was in Chicago for the draft out, you know, the, the draft outside of New York City for the first time. I was in Philadelphia. I was in Dallas, and I can say, not being biased, that this is the, easily the best of all those. Just the way uh, the city pulled it off and the excitement level. Jim, from following your work on Titans Online and, you know, your appearances on Mike Keith and Andy Wells' uh, official Titans podcast, the OTP, during the weeks to months leading up to the draft, you compiled some of the popular mock picks for the Titans at number 19. Who were some of those popular names that were originally mocked to the Titans at 19, and how surprised were you with the, the pick of Jeffrey Simmons? Well, I think Christian Wilkins was a popular pick. Dexter Lawrence was a popular pick. You saw some. You saw uh, a lot of, you know, tight ends, you know, whether it's Hawkinson or Fant. You saw some receivers or some DK Metcalfs all the way through. People were all over the board. Not a lot of people had Simmons. Uh, I was not surprised at all at that pick, to be honest with you. And, and that's, uh, that's he's a guy that I talk about a lot in the mailbags that I do. He's a guy we spend a lot of time talking about on the OTP. I actually wrote a story about him on the website a couple of weeks before the draft, you know, about the potential for picking him and quoted Charles Davis and Daniel jo- Jeremiah in there just about what kind of pick he would be. Uh, and, and I think Charles Davis is the only one of those. I did a 50 pick mock draft where I rounded up to 50, uh, 50 different guys. I think Charles Davis is the only person that had the Titans taken Simmons. Um, I, I just felt like by the time uh, that the Titans were picking at 19, that some of the other players uh, that would have been impact players were probably going to be off the board. And I thought they might have a pool of players to pick from. And I thought in that pool of players that Simmons would most likely be the highest rated guy. And you pick him and you're going to have to wait just because he's not healthy right now. But I think in the long run, uh, people are going to look back and say they got a great value there because a lot of people considered him a top five, top ten pick. And I think that's where he would have been if not for the injury. I think a lot of people were shocked to see the Ole Miss receiver, A.J. Brown, still on the board at number 51. I know it's early, but what role do you see Brown playing in Arthur Smith's new offense? He seems like a receiver, really, who can line up anywhere on the field. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to compete for playing time early, and got a. Ch- I think he's got a chance to to help this team early. Yeah, you know, I think if you watched him at Ole Miss, uh, you saw how polished he looked, and saw how productive he was leading up to the draft. There was so much talk about DK Metcalf just because of how well he did the combine, just because of you know the the shirtless photo that went viral. But Brown was the more uh, you know developed receiver of those two I thought and easily the most productive and now you add him to a group that has Corey Davis who I think is going to be even better in year three Adam Humphreys who's going to help this team uh, after playing the past four years in Tampa you've got a couple other guys in Taiwan Taylor and Tajay Sharp uh, who are now going to be fighting but other guys to you know, get on the field and Brown's not going to make it easy for him because he's he is a heck of an athlete uh, he's a guy who has proven uh, that he's capable of making plays. So uh, I'm anxious to see. Sometimes it takes these receivers a while to develop. I've seen so many guys, but a Titans who either struggled 
to get on the field, and that's you know it could be Tyrell Calico, it could be Justin Hunter early, early. Uh, you can go down a list. Doyle Green Beckham, uh, you know, a lot of these guys. Some of them didn't pan out. Some of them it took a while. Uh, even Kenny Brett, it took him a while before he really settled in. So I think he's got a chance though to, to if, if he works hard, has a good off season uh, and a good uh, training camp, that he he can help his team in 2019. I mentioned the Titans' new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Smith is not new to the team, Jim, but this is his first year of calling plays. What changes, if any, should people expect from an Arthur Smith offense? Well, I think it's in a lot of ways it's going to be similar to what we saw last year. Uh, and I think a lot of the terminology and some of the stuff that they ran will reappear. But uh, the thing with them is just, you know, it's kind of unpredictable just because it is his first time running the offense. And I think he's going to want to want to put his own stamp on there, want to do things differently. You know, he'll have the chance now to decide how much Derrick Henry plays early and how much they rely on him uh, as opposed to how much they try to open it up with the passing game first. So you'll see something similar, but I do think he's going to add his own touch to it, and I'm uh, anxious to see what that is. You mentioned Derrick Henry. It's hard to believe it's already year four for him. In this contract season for Henry, how do you expect the workload to be shared between him and Deion Lewis? I, I think what they've said so far has led you to believe that it will look like uh, the end of last season, which is when Derrick Henry was able to have so much success because he had so many opportunities. Uh, you know, they've, they've said they plan to start the season off really relying on him, but he's going to have to be productive and he's going to have to be uh, I think successful when he gets his hands on the football because you can't, you know, have a repeat of what happened at the start of last season. You know, he wasn't as effective last year. I think he, his mindset changed toward the second half of last season, and that's when he had uh, his big games. And as long as he, you know, is producing, and as long as the team is winning, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry early. Of course, that's going to they're going to have to be – they can't fall behind in games for that to happen. If they fall down, you know, a couple of, a couple of times but with, you know, some big deficits, you've almost got to abandon the run in some of those cases. So the team is going to have to have success uh, in games. They're going to have success when they hand them the football. And if that happens, I think you'll get the majority of the carries. And I th- but Deion Lewis is not going to be discarded altogether. They're still going to find a way to get him involved. But Henry's proven he – uh, he can he can produce. And Jim, last question here. We can't talk about the Titans offense without asking about number eight. This is year five for Marcus Mariota, which means it's kind of a, a, a pivotal season for long-term implications for both him and the franchise. With the playmakers added to the offense and some added help at, at both of the guard spots, what do you think Mariota needs to do this season to earn that second contract? Well, the first thing he's got to do is, is stay healthy because that's he just had trouble doing that, and he knows it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why he's added some weight and bulked up a little bit this offseason to kind of help him withstand some of the uh, pounding you take. Uh, you know, not all injuries are prevented, obviously, by putting on a little weight. I mean, I, I think uh, what happened to him in Jacksonville early in his career where a 300-pound guy fell on the back of his ankle and foot uh, you know, you're not going to prevent that injury no matter how much you bulk up. So he's got to do a good job of, of staying out of harm's way himself. Uh, 
So he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be productive. I mean, his, his numbers, obviously, you can't always look at numbers, but he's going to have to be more productive throwing the football and, and throw the ball downfield more with success, uh, you know, complete touchdown passes. Uh, and just continue to develop as a leader. I, I, I like Marcus Mariota and certainly think he still has great potential. But um, it is year five, and it's to the point now where I, I don't know if it's necessarily a make-or-break year just because there are avenues where you can keep a player even if you don't give them a contract after this year. But he's got to convince the team that he is a guy you can count on and his career is headed in the right direction. And uh, if he does that, and you know, he's got all the ingredients of what you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. He's a hardworking guy. He's a, he's a great you know, guy in the community. He's he's a leader. Uh, and again, I think he's a great, I think he's got potential to be a great quarterback. He's got to put it all together. And, uh, and, uh, and hopefully for the Titans, that happens this year. Once again, that was Jim Wyatt, Titans Online's senior writer and editor. You can read his work every day on TitansOnline.com. Be sure to give Jim a follow on Twitter at JWyattSports. Jim, thanks again for the time. We really appreciate you joining us. Okay, you got it. Appreciate it. 